Welcome back to another episode of Ales with Aslan, where we are your weekly therapy session, bringing in new and innovative ideas, ways to deal with the stress of selling. If you're having a great week, we hope you uh, enjoy a beer for a celebratory taste. And if you're having a rough week, we hope uh, maybe there's something here that kind of cheers you up. But uh, we're all in this together, and we uh, we love selling as a profession. So today, I've invited in Susan Simon, who has been selling for quite a long time, much like myself. Uh, she's uh, been in technology sales. She's been in consultative selling. And uh, I want to welcome Susan to the program. Uh, Susan, welcome. Hey, Scott. Great to be here. Thanks for coming in, carving out some time to share the knowledge and the passion with our, our audience out there. And of course, um, we'll get into a lot of good and interesting topics here, but we always start Ales with Aslan with the ale part. So uh, I hope you have something frosty and tasty in front of you. Why don't you tell us what you're going to do today? Yeah, so Scott, do you know I went two decades after college without ever drinking a beer? Oh, my. And yeah, I'm a, I, I like wine, but <laughs> thought I didn't like beer. But I don't know, in the last year or two, I realized that I was just drinking bad beer in college. And <laughs> <laughs> we've got some great breweries in Ann Arbor. And um, so drinking beer for me is like eating dessert. And so I don't do it that often. And it's, it's like what 11 o'clock here. And so I'm not going to do it right now, but I did have a great brew earlier this week from Great Lakes Brewing. It was a really rich amber lager called Elliot Ness. And uh, I, I thought I was drinking an Ann Arbor beer, but it turns out it's a Cleveland brewery, so I thought I'd do a shout out to my my Buckeye clients, uh, Materian and Pipeline Packaging, who always give me a lot of grief, especially <laughs> <laughs> during the tournament. <laughs> oh, I bet. Oh, yeah, for sure. But well, that sounds that sounds yeah. really good. Yummy. All right. Um, what I'm gonna do is I've been on a Nashville kick. I've got a daughter in school down there, and so I've been tasting a lot of the Nashville brews lately, and I've wandered into this Jackalope Brewing Company that they have this thing called a Bear Walker Maple Brown Ale. Sounds like something I probably should do more in the in the fall. I don't know. But this is a caramel colored brew and it's infused with maple syrup. A nod to the brewmaster's Vermont roots that shines through. Strong hops balance out the sweetness. So let's crack that. Nice. Yeah. There we go. See, because it's noon here, right? So we're gonna we're gonna get started early today. Let me just taste that and see what we got here. Mmm, that is very tasty. I wish you could try that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I'm happy with that. Well, good. So again, Susan, welcome to Ales with Aslan. And and before we get into some, you know, tips and ideas and and some of the knowledge that you've uh, secured over the years, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and a little detail of how we got to here. Sure, yeah, happy to. So, so I tell people it's really serendipity why why I'm here at Aslan. Uh, I came from technology sales. I'm I'm one of those crazy people. I've been in sales my entire career, and spent a lot of years in enterprise technology. And then for about the last decade, I've been on the consulting side. So working with some of the biggest sales organizations in the world, really, which has been um, you know, I'm really fortunate for, but 
one thing that's a little bit different about me is that I really don't like pushy salespeople where the motive is all about selling you something, whether you need it or not. Yeah. So it's a little ironic that this is where I've spent my career, but um, I've always come from this, this perspective of really just being other centered and, mm. and helping to guide my customers. And then, and then I feel like the rest follows. So, so yeah. when I think about how I, you know, really my approach for me, one of the most fulfilling success metrics is, is when one of my customers gets promoted because they, they drive results that are, are really significant on projects that we're working together. So, so that's really what I get passionate about and what drives me. That's really, really interesting. And I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that as a, a measure of success. Maybe, maybe a lot of folks on our, on our listening audience never thought of it that way either, but you really get the benefit of knowing what maybe you helped them do within their company, help them get promoted. And that is, that is pretty cool. Um, so I know you've, I know you've been at this a while because um, we've talked about this before. And, and so, you know, we've, we've talked about simple ways that, that reps can, you know, self-evaluate, make improvements. And we've done this on previous podcasts, some other ideas have come up, but why don't you share with us some of the things you think about in terms of ways that uh, reps can self-evaluate and, and, and just get better over time. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I was thinking about this and, um, and if I had to break it into just a couple of things, I, I'd say really three things. The first thing is I, I really like to break my own selling into place. If you, if you want to think about it like that. And, and I don't think it really matters what selling methodology you, you use as long as you cover the bases in terms of uh, how we execute and how we go to market. And um, in Aslan language, we make it easy because there's really four one-to-one -one capabilities that we focus on. Um, engage, discover, build value in advance. And then we've got some strategic capabilities too, but this is how you take what is subjective and you make it objective, really. So thinking in terms of how do I execute by, by breaking it into plays or muscle groups. Yep. And by doing that, then I'm able to self-reflect on how did I do as it relates to that muscle group. And, th and then being able to focus on a single area for where I can improve because there's always room to to get better. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that. So, so break it down. I like the analogy of, of focus on individual muscle groups. I think anybody that, that works out out there kind of, kind of gets that and understands that that's how you improve is that you focus on different muscle groups at different times. So that's, that's uh, really good. So what's the next sort yeah, of. Yeah. Uh, and Scott, I'll say it's almost like going to the gym, you know, yeah. and one mistake that I've seen, seen some of my clients make is that they focus on too many things. You know, I've, I've had some clients that have, say, you know, they've got 150 muscle groups or capabilities. And, and I'm like, ah, how can you focus on that many things? So, so I would say just break it into the things that are most important, that if we do these things really, really well, I know, I know I'm going to get lift. And yep. so that's how I, how I tackle that. So yeah, that, that's the first thing. And then um, the second thing, 
is really getting clear about then what does good look like or, or better yet what does great look like and it, you know if we're being honest in some cases it's what does terrible look like right, right. <laughs> and then and then how do i improve my behavior and my execution and so this again going back to that how do you take something that's mushy and subjective and and make it objective and and so how I do that is I try to define what is good look like as it relates to those muscle groups. And I'll give you an example. So, so the first one, the one-to-one -one competency that I mentioned is, is engage, right? So this is when I'm meeting with a client, whether it's um, I'm having a conversation, it could be a web meeting or I could be there in person, but how do you open that meeting? How do you set the table? so that you're creating an environment that's open and receptive and it just you know makes for a better conversation better meeting right so one muscle group would be for example how do i introduce myself so in a manner that highlights something that that person might care about something that's relevant to them so instead of me just pontificating on my background or whatever, how do I really think about that person or this team of people I'm meeting with and, and what might they care about? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So, and how do you pick up things? I mean, we've, we've talked about this in the past on the show sometimes about really a couple of ways to read your decision makers whiteboard, whether it's research, uh, LinkedIn profiles, different ways to, to come in contact or, talking to other people within the organization that you might have as a coach, but how do you do it? Do you use either of those tactics or is there a third way that you can find out what's important to those individuals? Yeah, absolutely. So doing your homework, right? Before yeah. you get in front of that person or that team to really understand a little bit about them is one thing. And then you, you bring up a great point, which is tuning into the style of the other person, right? So that I, I can identify I can tweak my communication a little bit so that they're more comfortable so that I'm able to make more genuine connections with that person. And that person becomes more receptive, never to the point of being somebody that I'm not right. right. But rather just noticing what is the style of that person? Are they more relational in, in which case you might want to open the meeting talking about, you know, the, torrential rain that <laughs> yeah right came through last night yeah yeah or, or are they more task oriented you know get right down to it whereas in that case i might just get right to the agenda so so yep. you make a great point i think this tuning into the style and understanding to the extent you can that person um is important yep great great excellent and so you know We've covered how you break it down into muscle groups and, and what is good, great, and terrible look like. What's a, what's a third sort of way of self-evaluation in your mind? Well, number three, and I call this, this one my uh, guilty as charged uh, bucket. <laughs> so this is what, in all the coaching that I have been able to do with, with sales teams, this one's big. It's, it's planning and practicing. I don't know, Scott, about you, but it seems like as salespeople, you know, we, we tend to be a competitive bunch of people, right? Sure, yeah. And uh, we practice everything in our lives to get good at it. Yeah. But 
with sales, we tend to do all of our practice in front of our customer. <laughs> right. So true. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you think about the practice first, like, what is it? Why is it, why is it so difficult to take time to be intentional about practicing? You know, it's because we're busy, right? Yep. Yep. We're lazy. Maybe I hate to do role plays because it just feels hokey and, and unnatural. So, so I avoid them. Um, but you know, there's, and I have found that there's really, um, by just being self-aware and being willing to be vulnerable, you know, there's, you gain a lot by practicing, even if it's in your office by yourself. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things I've done recently is, um, I'll open up a web meeting and I will actually record myself just maybe doing an, the opening and engage if I've got a big finals presentation or something. Yeah. I to actually practice um, a component of it in advance of that meeting. I love um, that. That's, I mean, it's a great idea. We think about the type of people that are listening to us right now. They're all probably extroverts, right? So they, they consider themselves great communicators. It's probably why they got into selling. And then, you know, they probably consider, and I'm probably falling this in this category myself. You think, well, I'm just really good on my feet, so I don't need to practice. Like I, I just naturally will say the right thing at the right time, and people will fall in love with me, right? <laughs> and so, so if you do that, and and you do trip up enough, I guess you are you are sort of you. You made a great analogy. You, you're you're practicing on your most important customers, and that's that's really a bad idea when you think about it, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and on a good day, it flows, right? The yeah. passion flows right through you. Um, and I'll tell you, you know, my best audience is my dog. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to love you no matter what. Yeah, I get really good <laughs> feedback. So <laughs> that's, that's great. Really good practice, yeah. Well, those are, those are uh, three really, um, really great uh, ideas around the self-evaluation and, you know, a couple of weeks ago for those lists that listen regularly, you know, Tom and Mark and I talked about some of those blind spots we have as just individuals, forget salespeople. Um, and you've illustrated here that, you know, there's, there's, that's something to think about um, for all of us as it becomes sort of a theme throughout uh, the selling career we all have. You've got to be self-reflective and want to get better and want to practice your craft and work on your individual muscle groups. And so those are, those are great uh, little sort of tactics that you bring up. I, I know, um, you know, with all the years of experience that you have, that you must have some other tips or, or ideas that uh, we could share with the group that maybe will elicit some commentary and potentially some additional topics for the show coming up. So what else does Susan Simon have for our uh, listening audience? Sure. Yeah. So you mentioned something uh, about a blind spot, right? So yeah. that's a big one. Um, one of the blind spots that, that I have been guilty of and I see with my sales teams all the time is um, planning, taking the time to plan before you go into a big meeting or have a big call. And, you know, honestly, I don't think it matters if, if you do this in a formal way on a, on a form, on a piece of paper, or you scribble it on a, take 10 to 15 minutes, you know, scribble it on the back of a napkin, but, but to really think about how do I want this meeting to play out and be intentional about, you know, what stories am I going to tell? 
Um, what pieces of data am I going to reference maybe? What next steps do I want to come out of this conversation or this meeting? So, so being intentional about doing that pre-call plan, even if it's just chicken scratch, um, I think that's a big one. I love that one. That, I mean, it's, it's so true, even for us. I mean, those of us like, um, you know, here at Aslan, get up on, on stages and talk to big groups. Uh, you always have to kind of have an idea of what your, your end game is, what you're trying to convey, the stories that might, you know, best elicit the right response with the audience and the intention that you have. And, you know, I love the next steps one, right? Because we talk about that in advance and several of our, uh, of our shows we've discussed, you know, the, I think John Sequeira, when he was on talking about the Oprah Winfrey example, where he had, you know, written the book, but had not asked her for help in publicizing it. Like if he had done that, what, what would be different about that book right now in terms of its, uh, <laughs> how many copies it sold? You know, you go in with this idea of the next most logical step should be X, Y, Z. And, you know, of course, be flexible based on what happens on the call, but have some intention. So I love that word you use there. Be intentional with your preparation. Um, and one that I would add, and, and certainly feel free to chime in, you know, as the marketing guy over here at Aslan, I think about all the assets I create. And as salespeople, I think you could think about all the knowledge and, and tips and tricks you bring. Um, you think about beg, borrowing, and stealing things that make you better, right? And so I create a bunch of assets every day. And some of them I expect will, you know, are more of a buy asset. So people that download that asset have an intention to, to, to want to buy sales training, right? So that's a buy asset. But then there's like, there's these, you know, learning types of assets where lots of sales reps might just want to learn more about how to be better salespeople. And I love that they, they want to do that. And then there's these steel assets where they just, they like a graphic we've created or they like, maybe they like our, you know, um, uh, engage, you know, um, model in terms of our, you know, flexibility that's, that's built into that. And they want to steal parts of that as salespeople. And I'm fine with that. Right. So it's as salespeople, we probably don't have all the answers and listening to podcasts like this and experts like Susan Simon and stealing just a couple ideas might be just the way to put you from good to great, if that makes sense. So yeah, absolutely. And, and I love to bottle other people's brilliance, <laughs> right? Because yeah. it inspires me when somebody says something or does something that's, that's great. So I'm all about beg, borrow, steal from others and, and make those ideas your own. And that's why some of that storytelling, especially, you know, we can't manufacture gray hair. Um, although <laughs> some of us have it. <laughs> but what we can do is, is in the, uh, if, if we don't have our own story, we can listen to other stories and make those our own. Uh, and, and so that's why, yeah, I love what you said about just tuning into to other people's um, brilliance, really. Yeah. I mean, and, and if you're a young salesperson just starting out, I mean, I just remember this story. It goes back years when I was selling copiers in New York City, but I was assigned uh, a partner because I was selling in the Bronx and Harlem and, and Gary Sedato was my partner and he knew the Bronx and Harlem better than anybody in our office. And what a great mentor he became. And, you know, it's probably no coincidence that, 
you know, my, I started achieving more and more of my targets when I had a guide such as Gary to help me through that. And I learned a lot about storytelling differently uh, in the Bronx and Harlem than what I might've been used to in, you know, uh, in Manhattan or uh, any of the other places that I've lived growing up. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Susan, um, it has been awesome having you on board. Love the stories, love the, the, the preparation. Just to recap, we covered a few things, but really all about um, breaking it down and focusing on the individual muscle groups to just make us better. If we want to improve as salespeople, we want to almost treat it like a workout, right? And then we want to really understand what it, what good, great, and even terrible <laughs> might look like because that helps us with our definition and even our execution plan. And finally, we went into how we plan and practice all of those things because we don't want to have the first time we're, we're trying out some new ideas and new stories to be in front of a customer. Use the technology of your, you know, your, your WebEx or whatever other tools that you use to try things. Use your dog, use your partner, use your you know, your uh, other sales reps in the office, but try these things out before you go live with them because you really will ensure a lot higher success rate when you do that. Susan, yeah. it's been great. Thanks so much for joining. And uh, we'll talk to you all in another week on another episode of Ales with Aslan. Mm -hmm.